0: So this is the last
1: week of spiritual warfare. Um, you might be saying, "Well, why in the world are we talking about peace of mind? We're supposed to be talking about spiritual warfare. I want to hear about demons. I want to know how to cast those demons out. And I want to know. Well, maybe we'll get there, but." First, we're gonna start with peace of mind. And if you have been alive for the last eight or nine months, you will recognize that this is a serious problem with people. And unfortunately, surprisingly, it's a, a huge problem with Christians. For people who say they're trusting in God, for those of us that believe we're trusting in God, then situations come up in life in relationships, whatever, and we realize how much we're not actually trusting God, how much we're really trusting in our own ability to solve problems, our own ability to stay in relationship, our own ability to keep ourselves safe. So I want to point out just a couple things to us because as we've been talking every week for the last month, there is a battle going on. And part of the warfare is recognizing that you are in a battle. You're in a fight, whether you know it or not. The fight has come to you. It's at your doorstep. It's, it's, it's in the ears of your children. It's in the actions of your teenager. The fight has come to us. So let's begin, of course, and see what God's word says about this battle and what we do about it. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace when? Those of you at home, when? In every way. Now, I don't think that leaves out a single situation, a single scenario, a single person at all times, in every way. That is assurance from God that he, now we know that peace is the fruit of God's spirit, but we also know there's things that we need to do. And he's gonna tell us in his word how we have peace at all times in every way because we know that we have God's spirit in our, in, inside us. We know that. Uh, Pastor Peter talked about the Holy Spirit several weeks ago. So we, of course, understand that. So why don't I feel that peace when someone coughs around me and I don't have my mask on? You know, is it the plague or do you just have a tickle in your throat? Why do I not feel that peace when I start talking to my neighbor who has a sign in their yard that is not the person that I'm voting for? Where did the peace go? Is that verse true at all times in every way? When am I missing? All right, so let's, let's look at another verse. Now, this is Jesus, the big guy, saying this. I am leaving you with a gift. How nice. A gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. That's mine. He says it's mine. It's a gift. I have to open it, I have to apply it. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Now, the gifts that the world gives are, you know, uh, nice cars and uh, beautiful jewelry or whatever, and those types of things, wonderful degrees and prestige and um, honorable titles. But but Jesus is saying, the peace that I'm talking about can't be taken from you by a circumstance, can't be taken from you by a broken relationship. The peace I'm talking about cannot be taken from you in a pandemic. This is... Peace that it it, it surpasses what we even understand. So, based on that, based on the fact that I'm giving my children a gift, that gift is peace of mind. How much would you pay for peace of mind? To lay down at night in your bed. The pillow isn't a stone. You're not awake all night, you have peace of mind. The pandemic is still raging. We're what, on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth wave now? I mean, I don't know, but it's it's, it's resurging again. And the thought would be, oh no, oh no, I didn't wear a mask to Publix, I didn't. All good thoughts. But when they rob us of our peace, it's wrong. So don't be troubled, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled and don't be what? Don't be what? But God, you didn't know about the pandemic when you said this. You didn't know that was coming. Don't be. Does God know everything? Has he he provided for every contingency? And still he says, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't let your mind, mind be in turmoil and rob you of the gift that I have given you, which is peace. How much money do people pay to get peace? Prescription drugs to get peace of mind have increased and increased and increased because people don't have peace of mind. All right. Here's something I want you to understand this morning. In spiritual warfare, the main field of battle is the you know, we, want, we, we think about all these things that represent spiritual warfare. We think, that would be great. You know, we think about the scripture where Jesus uh, tells Legion that amount of demons that come out of this poor man that had literally lost his mind. He had lost his mind. And Jesus had compassion on him. said, come out. What's your name? Come out of him. And it says that when the disciples and the townspeople came back, this poor man that had been out of his mind with demonic possession. It said he was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. That is the effect that Jesus brings to our life in our right mind. And when we don't realize that the battle starts here with our thoughts, starts here with, with, with crazy imaginations, we're not in the battle. We've already left the field and we don't even know the battle is raging. So let's see what the scripture says. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So we don't have a sword. I was going to have a sword here and I saw how heavy it was. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I actually I, I have somebody come up here and I really got to start working out people. But Ryan, if you hear this, give me a call but have for the weapons of our warfare are not flesh. Thank you, Jesus. But have what kind of power? Divine power. I love, I love the sound of that because I know how much power I have in my own self and it is extremely small. But I have divine power when I use the weapons and of course we all know the scripture, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, all those. But this divine power destroys strongholds. A stronghold, in the, the time that this was written, everyone knew what a stronghold was. It was a citadel on top of the city and people would run there, that would, be the strong, that would be the place where they would fortify and protect the city from that stronghold. But this scripture is saying that the enemy, Satan, which we have talked about all, you know, all the time, it, just, it destroys the place where they are hiding. It destroys the place where they are fortifying themselves, where they're rallying, getting ready to attack our minds. Our weapons destroy that. We destroy arguments. Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And do we have a lot of opinions and arguments? How many, if I had a dollar for every person that has come out and said, you know what? I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. I'm a deconstructed whatever. I don't know, some new term. That's a lofty, that's a lofty opinion, a lofty argument raised against what God has said is truth. It is complete and utter. Those at home, you can say it out loud, what it is. Free, be free in Christ. I can't say that. That raises, how dare, how dare the enemy raise itself against what God has said is truth, against what God has said is life, against what God has said will secure eternity for us. But no, he still tries to raise himself up by arguments and discussions and intellectual thinking. There's really just a lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And it says, when we see this happening, when these thoughts come in your mind, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, I was thinking about this, that's that's a tough assignment, every thought, you know, I know this might not be as hard for men because you, you swear up and down that y'all aren't thinking all the time when we're saying, what are you thinking? Not thinking anything. So maybe you don't have a, a big assignment to take every thought captive, but ladies, we're thinking. Feel <laughs> Our internet pastor is, is being professionally honest this morning. Every thought, that's, the, and I'll get into my testimony at the end after the dance about what that looked like. It was not pretty. But the, just the very thought, quickly, taking every thought captive. And he's, remember now, early in the verse, he's talking about warfare. And when we think about all the stories we see and all the movies we've watched and, you know, documentaries and stuff, captives, you know, we, I know we had the Geneva Convention and captives are supposed to be treated fairly. But honestly, if you were a captive, you were not treated purely. So when we capture that thought that has raised itself up against what God has said to be truth, we're gonna take that thought and treat it like a captive. We don't have to be nice to it, we don't have to be pretty to it, we don't have to feed it, which of course, you know, we do, but in real life, but that thought needs to be treated like an enemy, an enemy because it is an enemy. If, it, if that thought that's in my mind, and we'll give some specific examples in a moment, if that thought that I'm thinking, thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, if it's against what God just said is true, and honorable, and decent, and lovely, and pure, and good, If I think that that thought needs to be taken captive, I need to treat it like the enemy that it is and get rid of it. Okay, here's the nugget. Every thought captive. Every thought captive. We're thinking, well, I want to storm the strongholds of, well, can you control your thoughts? Well, then don't be talking to me about, I want to, I want to. Pastors, don't get a show of hands because we'll never get out of here. People that come to us. Now, I will say, every pastor of this church, every, and on our team, and and many people that are on the teams of our team, they have all, we have all done many, many, many hours of spiritual warfare. Deliverance. You can go to any pastor. You can go to any of their team, and they will pray deliverance for you. Uh, Release from bondage, release from bondage. We we, we do it, we're a full service church here, we'll do it. But are you controlling the thoughts that frolic through your mind like a lamb in springtime and they're never, rarely, don't ever say, we learned this yesterday, never and always, they rarely are God's thoughts. It's so easy when left to ourselves to think thoughts that are a problem. And let me tell you why it's a problem. For example, COVID cannot rob you of peace. Not the peace that God said is from him. It can't, it has no power to do that. A broken relationship cannot rob you of the peace that God said is the gift I have for you. The elections and even the outcome of the elections, even though I have my preference, cannot rob me of the peace that God has said is mine. What robs me of that peace is when that thought comes to my mind, oh, I, I, I coughed, I coughed. I, I, <clears throat> I feel something and I think about it and I think about it and I think about it. When we have repetitive thoughts and we make a habit of thinking them, we don't try to stop them because you know what? We're supposed to be, we're supposed to take care, we're supposed to be wise and do all these things which we should do, but when we have thoughts that we repeat over and over that are not, that starts to tell our emotions to start feeling something if I tell myself over and over and over and over and over again, nobody likes me, which by the way, I've never said that. I mean, I know a few people don't like me, but who can't like me? I mean, honestly, but there are a lot of people, a lot of people have that thought and that part of what the dance is going to represent are those destructive thoughts that, that youth and teens think about. But if I thought that, I didn't get an invitation to that party. Everyone, everyone I know is going to that party. I can see it because I'm on social media 24 7 and I know who was at the party. Why didn't I get an invitation? I, I guess they don't like me. They don't like me. And if I tell myself that long enough, my thoughts, my repetitive thoughts, will tell my emotions something. It will inform my emotions how to feel. And if I think long enough, nobody likes me. My emotions say, okay. that's the signal, nobody likes me. And if I think I'm not loved, what happens? If you really truly believe no one likes you, I'm picking a hypothetical situation, your emotions start to line up with what you're thinking. You start to feel sad, you start to feel depressed, you start to feel angry, you start to feel self-conscious. All of the things that line up with the thought that you're constantly telling yourself. That your body says, okay, must be true. Let's let's do it. Because we think that our problem is I've got lust, or I'm lusting for whatever, that chocolate brownie. Or I, I'm 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 envious of people that have a nice car. Or I'm we think that the emotion is the problem. But the emotion has come because you keep thinking about something. You keep thinking about. Lusting or whatever, you keep thinking about. Well, how they? How can they afford that? I mean, honestly, I know what they make. How you keep thinking it and feeding it, and then comes the feelings of lust, envy, jealousy—all the things the Bible says. Es no bueno. Es no bueno. Okay. Very quickly, as a counselor, I am disheartened, I, I'm, I'm not shocked, but the amount of Christians, but specifically I'm talking now about children. When I was growing up, there was an expression, you know, the carefree days of childhood. So if I know that, that thing, you know, your childhood is supposed to be carefree. Your summer is carefree, spent barefoot, running around catching June bugs or whatever. Those days are gone. The amount of children and young adults that are stressed and ridden with anxiety and are fearful and tormented is staggering, staggering. You don't think a battle is raging when your children, which is supposed to be the most carefree time of their whole life, is, is anxiety ridden, is fearful, and it doesn't help When the parents are saying, you're going to get COVID, you're going to get sick, you're going to get, someone's going to snatch you, you're going to. Now obviously we use common sense, but when kids hear parents spewing fear, spewing spewing anxiety, if parents can't get it together, they're taking their cue from us. We're putting this burden on them that God did not intend them to bear. before we have the dancers, if they want to um, come and set up, please. The, just the mental health aspect alone of just one, one circumstance, and we'll just, we're just using, we're ganging up on COVID today because everybody knows about it. The mental health implications from eight months of lockdown is hitting those of us in the mental health profession like a tsunami. I'm telling you the children, the young adults and the parents that are frightened, it's staggering because Jesus said, don't be afraid and don't be troubled. But we're troubled and we're afraid and we're bothered. And we don't seem to have any more peace than than Joe and Susie, I'll dance off the stage, Joe and Susie who don't have the Lord. So what we wanted to do Some of you are going to think, this is a little dramatic. This is a little over the top. But I need you to recognize you are in a battle. And half of you don't even know it. You're sleeping. You're doing whatever. It's like, well, I didn't see a demon. I don't oh, what battle. I'm so strong. I haven't. He doesn't come near me. You're already in the middle of the battle. And you don't know it. But my, my main thing for this morning is, I want us to realize how much our youth are in a battle. Not like when I was growing up. It is nonstop onslaught with social media. And sometimes I believe that Christians compartmentalize our faith. Well, only if I see a demon or only if I see someone that's, you know, getting a whatever. Well, I, then I know I'm in a battle. No, you're already in it. The battle has come to you. And I want us to wake up. So I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna have them do something so dramatic that, that you'll begin to see the battle that we're fighting. Because when a teenager says, I hate myself, they, don't, they won't come to mom and say I hate myself, but mom will see the scars on their arm, but mom will see the burns on their arm, because that 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 thought, I hate myself, I hate myself, I'm not worth anything, I hate myself, telling themselves that over and over will produce an action. That action is the self-harm. Where is that coming from? It's coming from our enemy that will only steal, only kill, and only destroy us. That's what they're facing. <laughs> I want us to wake up. And recognize that the battle has already come to you. For us to wake up and get involved in the battle. The battle for our mind. The battle for the minds of our children and our teens. We're going to have communion in just a moment. But first I wanted to... um, When when we first got married, um, you know, I'd been raised in a Christian home. But there was a tremendous a tremendous mind game going on. No reason that I thought of. And so we were going to a, a very charismatic church at the time, which was wonderful. And they were very involved with the deliverance ministry. And so I thought, maybe I had a demon. I mean I you know this seemed to be the answer to everything. They had you know I must have a demon. Which is a lovely thought to think by the way, but uh, so I went to my I had a mentor. She was a wonderful woman. And I went to her and I said, um, Linda, there's something wrong with me. I can't, these thoughts I'm having are, they're obsessive. Some of them were stupid, I mean stupid stuff like that would never happen and then some things that possibly could happen. I'm not even gonna tell you what some of them were because I don't really wanna go there, it's ridiculous. But So I just, I'm pouring out my heart to my mentor and she says to me, Crystal, you don't have a demon but the problem is you're not standing your ground. You're not standing, the Lord has given you ground to stand on, he's given you his word, he's given you the blood of the lamb, he's given you a testimony, and you're not standing your ground. You're being knocked around by every thought that comes in your mind. And so that started a process with me of taking every thought captive, and it was hard. It was hard because, you know, the Bible calls it renewing our mind, but we know with just physiology of the brain, we know that we're actually having to create new pathways, new neural pathways in our brain, and that's hard. It's not hard because we're in there tinkering. It's hard because we have to replace those lies, which is the strategy of the enemy with the truth, that God wants his children to walk in. And so every time, so she helped me do that. And so it started out by just recognizing that's a lie, that's not true. So I would start to say out loud, I look like an idiot, by the way, driving in my car at work. That's not my thought. That's not my thought. That's not my thought. I mean, I looked ridiculous. And this went on for months. That's not my thought. And then I was reading in Revelation, how the saints of old and us overcome him. And of course, we know by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and they weren't so afraid of serving God that they would lay down their life. I'll take two out of three of that, please, if you don't mind. I'll take the blood of the lamb. I'll take the word of of his testimony. And I started speaking out. But the thing that really, and the pastor will join me, the thing that really cinched it was when I started praying for the people I was criticizing in my mind. Praying for the people. I'm just gonna use my husband as an example because no wife will be able to identify with anything else unless I say, so let's just say I criticized my husband for whatever. He was too handsome. Why are you so handsome? So I was criticizing him in my mind, why he's so handsome. But then I thought, I'm gonna start praying for him. Oh, Father, thank you that you made my husband so handsome. Father, thank you that he's blessed. Thank you that he's, and I pray, and I pray, and I bless him, and I speak blessing. And you know what happened? What stopped coming after a while? That thought. Why? Because I was blessing and not cursing. I was building him up and not cursing him. And the enemy hates that because he wants to kill. He wants to steal, and he wants to destroy anything that's made in God's image. So, Pastor Mark's going to join me. We are going to have communion. If you would stand, please. And the reason why this is important today is because that one of the things that Jesus shed blood for when that crown of thorns was jammed on his head, that blood was shed for our peace of mind. And we need to appropriate that. Um, I'll do our last verse. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, how did I run out of time, people? Do not be anxious about anything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: I don't know if this is on. Yes, Pastor El Guapo, thank you. El Guapo.
1: Uh, (laughs) Look that up at home.
0: In taking communion, uh, you most often hear the story of Jesus at the Last Supper, which was the Passover meal, where uh, while they're eating, he broke bread with them. That's not the only place that Jesus spoke about him being the bread. It, that the Passover meal was really a targeted explanation to the Jew that, that he was the completion of this Passover meal. But Jesus is talking to the crowd who he went to spoke to in the book of John, where they're going, isn't this, didn't he grow up among us when they were arguing it? He's telling us to do all these things and to think all these things, as we heard today. And Jesus came back to these words to tell them. In John chapter 6, verse 53, the end of the chapter, Jesus says to a multitude, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, it's pretty barbaric, you have no life in you. Because Jesus many times has said, I am the bread that comes from heaven. You see, we are to take his words. Unless we take his words in us, we eat them, we put them in us. We believe that he is the Messiah. You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my body is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna, and they died. But whoever Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Whoever takes these words and lets it feed their body, feed their mind. If you don't do it, you're not a part of him. Whoever eats and drinks. And so he says that this is symbolic of what we are doing by faith. And said we do this until he returns to earth or we return to him in heaven. So if you have your sacrament there take the bread out and as Jesus said this symbolizes what you believe by faith. If you don't believe this by faith, don't take it but as long as you take this, whoever eats and drinks my body Is of me and he has life just as the father gave life to Jesus. Jesus says this gives life to us He was the bread and now we partake of that bread So we take it and we eat it And then on the night that he was betrayed After taking the bread He took the wine He says, this is a symbol of what is about to be done in heaven. I'm going to give my life for you. That this blood has been laid at the mercy seat in heaven. And any time that we fall into sin, we can call upon the mercy seat. When any demon, anything demonic, anything dark accuses us, They're referred to the mercy seat for the price that was paid. This is a legal document, a covenant, the Bible calls it. If you have eaten the body and you believe that the blood has been spilt for your sins and you come under that document, that legal document, the Lord says, drink.
1: Thank you for coming this morning we believe that the body and the blood of jesus is effective and it will produce something good this week in our lives so we thank you for being here we love those of you that are watching from home we pray for you as well um we love this body